Good evening, Commanders, and welcome to episode 140 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Colin Phoenix of Ford, and joining me in the orange sidewinder for this episode are our head of health and safety, Commander Adler Vice, Ben Musswoodwood. Hello, Colin. You got me just as I'm about to try and change over my audio stuff. Interesting. I know. And also joining us with uh, his audio magic is our chief bar steward, Commander Psycho Kawokop. Good evening, everybody. And uh, yes, yeah, so hopefully you are. if you're listening on the website, you're getting some beautiful quality sound. If you're listening on Twitch, that's not my doings. That's the Benster's. <laughs> and finally, we are joined by the station commander himself. Hiding away in, in his mother's attic, we have... Commander Stroud himself. Oh, we have we? <laughs> very, very, very faintly, Alan. Come in, Alan. <laughs> Sorry, was my very loud intro? Did it scare you a bit, Alan? I don't know. Well, we can tell that there's bits of Alan coming through to an interestingly <laughs> low human bitrate. <laughs> I tell you what, see when we ever get to the point where you have, you know, some kind of transport device uh, like in the old Star Trek, can you imagine that on a 46k dial-up? Yeah, it's sort of, um, hmm. Actually, my iPad normally works quite well. Unfortunately, it didn't seem to be working all that well tonight. So, um, as Alan tries to re-establish communications with us, um, let's just go around the room and have a quick catch-up with what everybody's been up to. So, we'll start with... uh, Grant, if you don't mind. Right. Well, dear, thank you for coming to me. Uh, I have been spending this week plidling around and fiddling around with the 24-hour or radio stream and getting some new programming up there. We've got a Ben section. We've got my little section. The rest of the crew are able to sort of submit uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, and add their programming to it too. So it allows them to pick whether they want to do a Fozza where it's TV themes. We've got an amazing soundtrack collection from games that comes on twice a day. Uh, We've got adverts throughout the day. We've got Galnet News every three hours from 1am, so um, it's up to date and gets updated weekly. And every night at half past eight, we play the the current week's episode uh, live, so that if you missed it on the night, you can catch up then. And yeah, we've just been sort of adding flavours, adding bits to it, and of course it allows us to stream and put out nice copyright music and still have that live radio taste with the um, amazing stuff from Two Quiet Sons, from Mind White, from Ash Bash Beard and stuff throughout the day and of course my favourite Nicholas Felix and his Allianz which makes me laugh every time <laughs> so if you haven't, you know we're, what we're currently working with is making sure that there are technical issues with the TuneIn app, now we've since learned that it is a technical issue with the way that it tries to auto switch to a faster connection so it jumps IPs uh, uh, in the polling stage which then leads to the tuning app going can't connect stream error if you're getting that do not fret we're going to add another stream which is a more direct route which will then stop that from happening over the next sort of 48 to 72 hours that should be resolved and it should always jump on and give you a lovely high quality audio experience apart from where the music's rubbish can't help that 
that's probably Ben's show. I know I have a lot of pops. Probably at ben. Is my fault. It's probably your show. Um, <laughs> so if you have any ideas of things in, or music in particular you'd like to hear added to that collection, then let us know. You can drop us an email info at Lave Radio. And if you have any adverts that you've made and you would love us to include them, if they meet the quality controls that we have, which is getting past Commander Stroud, then we would be more than happy to have your contributions to our radio station and and keep part of uh, the community and keep that community spirit alive. Um, have you guys been tuning in bits and pieces? I was playing it live whilst I was waiting for you guys all to show up, which is the whole reason why I went off and stopped and started the Twitch stream. Yeah. So that we didn't get anything conflicting and saying, hey, you're twitching um, commercial music and we won't let you hear anything. It's, it's, it's well, an, no, I'll, I'll stop it, I'll start it, I'll be good. <laughs> it's an interesting sort of setup. Of course, I've scheduled the current show to play at half past eight every night, which means that if we're late, it starts to play, and it sounds like we've started when we haven't. Uh, if you see that, guys, you should be able to tell by the episode number uh, that it's an old episode number. It's one less than the current weeks, and, um, you know... Don't, don't <laughs> you mean if it starts expensive. on time, you know it's not live? Yeah, pretty much. That, I think that's probably a fair comment. <laughs> <laughs> so does this also include Mr. Uh, Mr. Jarvis's escape velocity has that uh, been no. scheduled yet we have got oh. uh, escape velocity currently where season 1 episode 1 will air on Sunday night from Saturday and Sunday in fact from 7pm uh, we're still putting mm-hmm. it together getting a little intro introduction uh, for the, each episode and then every week we will increase in the next episode we have I have rather optimistically scheduled in uh, remote outpost gaming for the weekend as well now we only have one episode currently so I'm hoping to try and spur on Chris and John to get us new ones ASAP <laughs> so that we can get them up there. And of course, all of our podcasts and pre-recorded shows are available at laveradio.com or on iTunes. And uh, we are, oh, crikey, you've got all the old um, Elite Encounters RPG, which are probably worth having a wee listen to as we're getting closer and closer to its release. And of course... Uh, I don't know if it's in the newsletter, so I won't jump out, but EDRPG as well, as we have a special Lave Radio presentation coming soon, uh, as yeah. we did a yeah, playthrough of that last week, and I think um, it's shaping up to be quite an interesting show, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just have a quick name check. Alan, are you back with us? I'm trying. Can you hear me? We can hear we can. you. Hooray! Okay. Hooray. Let's, let's so you're fighting the internet last. demons. Yeah, well, it's it's my mum's house's uh, internet connection, so I'm upstairs in the spare room. Um, but uh, yeah, no, so I'm down with her for a couple of days. I've got a research day tomorrow, um, and been doing a lot of you know sort of worky catch up and what have you today. But um, yeah, the the connection here is not great, and um, as you noticed, uh, <laughs> so if I disappear. Uh, then sorry, um, that's about the the best I can uh, I can manage. Well, as long as it holds the quality it's got at the moment, it should be fine. Fingers crossed. Okay. So, um, well, just quickly, um, what have you been up to since the last time you've been on? Obviously, uh, right. The big news we can yeah. ca- cover later. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so, 
EDRP, um, you know, the, the Kickstarter is running, uh, which we kind of know and, you know, we've seen some of the stuff of. Um, some of my stories are on there, which is, is quite good fun. That's been uh, quite quite nice uh, to get some episodic content up on there. So if people want to check out some more, uh, more Elite Dangerous fiction, then they can uh, wander across and see the stuff on their website and see the stuff on the Kickstarter, which is quite cool. The Wreck, uh, which is the second story I did, uh, finished yesterday. Today, so the all eight parts of the wreck are now available for people to read. Uh, what else have I done? Um, oh, chapter for a book. I think I was working on that two weeks ago when I was last on, and uh, got that finished, got that in. Um, you know, other other worky things. Unfortunately, um, painted some stuff. That was good. Uh, yeah, I've, but, I've seen um, those on the on your Facebook feed. This the aquarium, very nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've got there's quite a lot more actually um, in the. Uh, I've done a, an eight-part blog for a friend who's a Games Workshop blog site guy. And um, so we've started an eight-part blog on my Eldar collection, which dates back to 1991. Um, and then I'm doing a, another one on Gene Steelers and then another one on Space Marines and another. Yeah, so there's there's quite a lot because anyone that's been to my house knows that I, I have hundreds of Games Workshop matches and I hadn't realised just how many I'd, I'd got and how little I'd talked about it. So, um, yeah, good fun. You know, uh, it's one of my stress reliefs is to, to paint. So um, uh, I've been working on a, a, a few small projects um, relating to that. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll move over to our health and safety expert who's, who's flying in a fighter at the moment. Um, ben, what have you been up to? Um, what have I been up to? I've been doing the community goal. We got a chance for a small double dipping at that, which was nice. Um, <laughs> I, I got never got anywhere near them. <laughs> no, the with the community goal, we had to go and get oh, there's a whole a whole load of thargoids, or sorry, unknown fragments we had to hand in, and various other ship scans and things like that. But that community goal was basically finished by, I think it, it was finished by the end of Thursday or something like that. So yeah, Frontier basically, go on. So Frontier basically said, "Okay, that's finished by Thursday. Uh, let's go and do it again, then, shall we?" <laughs> so I went off, and you know, I didn't do it the second time. I was in the top ten percent for the first one. But then I did see it come up for the second one, but I didn't go into that. Nick, will you stop shooting me, please? No, go on. Go on, Nick. Keep on shooting him. Oi! Um, on, blow him so out the sky. <laughs> he did that. Um, and then Fozzer wanted to play some gra Grav with me, which is... I guess I'd kind of describe it as a bit like Minecraft in space, sort of. Um... But it's quite good fun, and I was playing that with him a bit on Friday night and Saturday. And then, following Grant constantly talking about RimWorld, I thought I would go and try some RimWorld as well. And I've 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 made it through my first winter, Grant, without resorting to cannibalism. Just <laughs> that's uh, that's actually quite a uh, quite. Quite impressive. Um, okay. Cannibalism, stupid, cannibalism is very tempting, but it's <laughs> devastating to your colonists. So avoid it unless that's the kind of route you want to go down. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, but we'll bear that in mind as a, as a useful life lesson in future, Grant. Cannibalism is bad. 
<laughs> um, personally, uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, we've had uh, a couple of extra top shifts that I've done this week. Uh, mostly about my commander, who's my Xbox commander, who I'm streaming out on a Thursday and on a Sunday, uh, trying to reach Colonia in a shiny Sidewinder. And I must admit, I'm beginning to lose the will to live. <laughs> I need people to talk to. So if you if you fancy um, popping on the on the Phoenix to Fire um, Twitch stream while I'm while I'm doing it, and just even just shouting abuse would be nice. <laughs> just some form of human contact. Um, apart from that, uh, I'll be the main player's been down in Maya, desperately trying to get back in time to to do take part in these community goals. But you buggers just quickly do them as before I can even get back. I mean, it, it doesn't help being in a vulture all the way back to Maya, but, you know, 40 jumps or so. But, uh, yeah, so not much uh, involved in a, in a lot of the stuff, and I'm still not hyper-addicted. I tried my best, and I've just given up. I wanted to be hyper-addicted, but never got, never, never had a chance. So, moving on from, from that whinge fest, um, let's talk about one of the first things on the development news we have this week, and that is last week's Q&A stream that we had with Dave, or Dav Stott. Now, this, this stream was mostly to cover, uh, things in the background simulation, uh, how the background simulation works. It seemed to be very well received by the community. A lot of people complimented uh, Davon is is straight talking, and the fact he gave answers without much uh, fluff, if you see what I mean. Um, anybody else catch this, and and what did they think? I think yeah, I'd agree with you there. You know, Dav is always a a very straight. You know, he'll he'll give the information if he can do, and he's good at that. There was some nice stuff though that they also covered. Although they did the background stuff. They also covered the networking code. So if we're having problems with wings, we can do a super secret, I think it's Control-Shift-L or Control-L or something like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. There's a whole, a whole um, procedure, isn't there? There's a whole yep. procedure to it and, and then try and get as many net logs from all your wingmates and get them in because they're... This is, this is an important message. Maybe I should put a little bit of echo in this. They are actively trying to improve... The networking. I think it's probably fair to shout that out as loud as we can, that they are working on it and trying to find ways to make it do it better, and that should be applauded. Yeah, definitely. I mean, anything to help smooth out the network code, especially with uh, what's um, coming up in, in hopefully the next release. Uh, I mean, is there any other highlights in, uh, Ben, was there any other highlights that you found in that uh, the stream? I would probably describe it more as a low light, although it was very funny. Um, basically, right, Grant, can you tell us anything about some dog tags that were sent to Frontier? Yes. that's where this really all starts, doesn't it? Oh, well, possibly. I, I don't know if we could... Well, maybe maybe we started the... Uh, it was... You call that a low light? I think that was fantastic. 
<laughs> anyway, it's awesome, but it's funny. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating if you're involved in it and you've gone out of your way, you know, spent a couple of hours doing something that you weren't going to do and then end up with that. But anyway, the end result was we created, as uh, one of the Hutton truckers, uh, Russell, had created some beautiful dog tags uh, with the the Alien Pro, I think it was. No, it wasn't. It, wasn't, it, was, it was actually the Starship um, Sunflower uh, floating... <laughs> floating there and this beautiful green uh, dog tag and on the back is uh, a little well coded message a fairly basic code I think it was just Morse code you know dots and dashes but a wee coded message on the back of these dog tags for Frontier to well obviously decode before they were comfortable wearing them because you never know what you're saying so yeah we, we'd sent them down they'd been received and then I believe just at that point in the the Twitch, they revealed a, a, a returning message for people out there to follow in code in a very similar code, in fact, in the identical code. But um, Yeah, they did. So they basically, Dav went off and twitched out a, not twitched, he flashed up a tweet showing a guinea pig and the same code, which eventually through a series of, of steps went off and took commanders to discover a a crashed ship and a a scanned a scan point which said and I can't I'm trying to remember what it said now. Something is something anyway with uh that ended up with background simulator or BGS for the background sim. Which yeah, I was, thought was awesome. It was a series of clues, wasn't it? It was a location yeah. that you went to and there was a rather unusually um Standy outy graphics for the wrong reasons crashed ship but didn't quite seem embedded and uh, you had to then get into your SRV um, drive inside find the cord scan that data and at the end of the day the message you got was essentially an equivalent of uh, take that truckers um, but <laughs> it was well it was I can't remember the exact words either because it was it was but it was brilliant um, I've, I've watched this amazing YouTube video of someone that went to all the hassle of following it. But you know what? It yeah. gives you a it's, giggle. It's, it'll be linked in the show notes, mate. Yeah, it gives it you a giggle. It's worth watching and, 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 and hands, hats off towards Frontier for engaging uh, with community groups and giving us lots of fun. Well, I think the one thing that I took away from the entire stream was whatever you do, don't predict the tick. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the best catch line that they had in the entire stream. Don't predict the tick. <laughs> Fantastic. For those of you who don't know what the tick is, it's it's the the internal clock that makes the background simulation move on one more step. But when it happens, they're not exactly letting you know. But they try and people try and predict it. They don't like you predicting it. So yes. Have anybody else got anything to comment on that? Is the tick kind of like... Stream? Is it kind of like the live radio show starting? Everyone kind of has an idea when it should start, but nobody knows exactly. And and, and everyone who's not on it complains because we're not organised or something. Because, yeah. you know, know. The, the free stuff that we, we, you know, we give them, they, they obviously... They, it's typical, isn't it, Alan? You know, they're really entitled to, right? You, you take a pop and your audio's crystal clear. <laughs> now when you're <laughs> to part information, it's going to break off, but no, it'll get the pop out there perfectly. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the Thargoids, the Thargoids are, you know, want me. They're want hovering me on you. Anytime I'm, I've got anything, anytime I've got anything reasonable to say or, uh, you know, or actually useful, then uh, then they'll, they'll shut me down. <laughs> yeah, well, you, while you have. It's, got, while it's mild insults, it's, yeah. you know, they're fine. <laughs> you have got form for that, we must admit. <laughs> You've got your Thargoid overlord standing behind you right now, about to tap a mandible on your iPad to switch yeah. you off. We know. Yeah, yeah it's probably going to happen. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, the only thing I would say with the um, uh, with the, the coding stuff, that's fantastic. I, I think it's great, and um, I'm staring at. I completely missed it, but I'm staring at the guinea pig now and looking at the uh, the coding, and that does you know well done to them. I you know you can and. This is just an observation, but you can see why, you know, because it's it's a joke for people that obviously that get it and and are prepared to to become part of it, and I I, I think that's great. You know, you send anyone off to find and discover something and decode something, and you know, I think it's fantastic. But you can see why, you know, anyone that didn't was outside of it. You know, they they kind of uh, there was a little bit of a reaction of oh, why they why they actually making the game you know and all the rest of this so um but you know uh, who cares about them <laughs> I, I i thought it was very clever and uh and i love I, I love anything with codes to be honest um anything that requires people to decipher stuff i think is great fun particularly because it's it's about getting there rather than than actually um uh finding out what something says mm. so yeah yeah, well, um, on the subject of other codes, well, we now have a new community goal because it does seem that Frontier have now released two, uh, four systems which are the possible sites for more of these monolith or xenohenge sites. So the entire community is now heading off. Well, not the entire community, but um, a lot of the canon guys are heading off to try and decipher or find these new sites. I mean, I've been following, uh, I've been catching up with uh, both this and uh, the former Dean, former Dean Rift uh, threads, which it, it kind of opens up the player uh, base in, in a very nice way. Even though I'm not part of the actual effort, I do like following the story. I mean, has, has anybody else uh, seen what's been happening with these uh, sites? Other than scary, scary, we're all going to die. I've not been following it much more closely than that, I'm afraid. I, it's, I've got this uh, terrible... Yeah. pretty creepy, though, some of the messages. Um, the former Dean Rift ones? Yeah. Yeah, the, the former Dean Rift, I must admit, it, it's... it's a, Actually, it's quite a nice build-up where they're, they've got ships which are disappearing and crew are committing suicide and we've got... Um, Accidents happening to some crew that were, lo- were, were talking loosely, so to speak. Um, but we seem to have six bases and their relevant beacons found. And, and there's a massive effort out there to try and find these remaining six, we think, six bases. Um, but as far as the Xenohenge and the actual Guardians themselves, um, has anybody actually been involved in that? No, no, no. I, I think you know. I, I tend to. I, I, listening back to to last week's show and the the long discussion about it, I think that as a game mechanic, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderfully interesting way of sort of. 
dragging that story across and, and having the excitement that people get the excitement at first discoveries and finding the information first and then rushing off. But it's one of these things that I, I love the way Canon Interstellar take that information and, and then create stuff from it. So I would always tend to sort of sit back and let them play out and carry on with my exploration or, you know, making profits. Cold hard cash for me. Uh, this kind of namby pam being out with your trowels and your brushes, nah, leave that to the can. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is one of these things, I think. Uh, well, personally, at the moment, I'm enjoy watching, but I'm not taking part just yet. We've got a couple of things I need to do in the bubble first. But, um, right. Well, moving on from uh, intergalactic puzzle solving, um, we've had a bit of good news from Frontier themselves because their results were released this uh, list last week. And it does seem that Frontier itself does seem to be in a very good financial position. Well, from what I can read from the data, um, they do seem to be... Elite Danger itself has had... Now, this is this is a bit of a controversial figure because we don't know whether it's 2.1 million sales of Elite Dangerous or 2.1 sales in general, which could mean anything from uh, a sale of a game to a bobblehead. But 2.1 sales have been made against... Uh, marked so against you mean 2.1 million sales? Yes, 2.1 million sales. So um, we do know from um, Steam, for instance, there's been at least a million sales on Steam. Um, And you've got to add the Xbox factor onto that as well. But when you actually look through these results, they seem to be very, very buoyant. Um, Anybody else seen them? I've seen them. I couldn't tell you what they mean other than Frontier of Money, so yay. Yes, well, I'm going to just put my accountant's hat on and look over it. Um, it does seem that the <laughs> revenue seems to be very, very good for what, for such a small company. And I think that stills us quite well uh, for going forward with uh, hopefully the next season of Elite Dangerous at least. Well, they've played it fairly cautiously all the way through, haven't they? Um, you know, all the time in terms of the development of of everything they've done they've done it stage by stage they've done it carefully patiently um there are things they've got wrong there are things that you know i mean there was quite a nice thread actually that mike snoss started in the private backers forum a couple of weeks ago which was mm. um your your memories of of the campaign four years on and you know and and what like and um it that very clearly sort of gave the indication that some people have come in and they, you know, they were part of the enthusiasm to begin with. And then they've got very jaded, you know, because Frontier have not quite delivered the thing that they perhaps came, you know, that fired their imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, generally speaking, that that's that's kind of the... I, I don't mean this in, in, in a, uh, quite literally, but it, it is the, mo- it's the mode of the company, not the mode of the company to disappoint, but the mode of the company to, you know, to take their risk conservatively. And they they generally have done that. You know, they've built stuff slowly, patiently, carefully. Um, and, you know, we're four years into, you know, into since the start of, of well, since the close of the Kickstarter. And um, 
it's it's interesting to see the comparison to another game. <laughs> we'll mention no names. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not. You know, this isn't me being. I'm not. I've not drunk my vicious juice tonight. Um, it's just I have been looking at the 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 Star Citizen list of of promised goals. Um, you know, and when when you when you look back in hindsight of four years, it's quite interesting. Quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I must admit the Star the whole Star Citizen project. I've backed away from completely. I'm not going to engage until there's something there that I can get my well, teeth into properly. That's what I'd done in the first place. I, you know, I decided I'd wait until it, it there, until it hit a shop. There is mm. something you can get your teeth into. There's there's a, a profoundly difficult to play alpha, um, and <laughs> the, I've, I've had a go at the the um, the Squadron Forty Two, the kind of first person um, aspect of it oh, to see. How that plays? The Star Marine. Uh, thing. Star Marine. Star Marine. Not uh, Squadron yeah, Forty Two. Is not there. Squadron Forty Two. If that's released, then I'll be over there. But um, yes. it hasn't. So. It's not. And yeah, that's the one that keeps going. And oh, is it going to come out? Is it not going to come out? Right. So I wanted to jump in because there was a question from the IRC chat from Nopleos or Nopilius, who is wondering mm-hmm. why individual players care so much about the wealth of the company. Um, you know why? Because why should they choose to play a game just or buy an app because the creator made a ton of money with it so far? It's not so much about a company that makes money being more successful or better to buy from. This is purely from a really, really selfish point of view. Our interest in a company making money is that the company will still be there to see out the 10-year plan that it promised us. So if Frontier was in difficulty, (laughs) you would start to worry that how are they going to contain their server costs and things. So it's more about the sustainability of the game. So when you look at Star Citizen, there's rife rumours of the fact that they ran out of money, although they're making a fortune. There always seems to be these little slights and media campaigns running against them and whether or not you believe them or not it's one of these things that can damage their reputation and they're quite quiet um about their you know about their finances as well um it's and i wouldn't presume but it would be awfully funny if they were like our you know a bit of donald trump in that respect no our finances are fine our finances are big there's no complaints about our finances um we're gonna make gaming great again and then you would kind of go ah right i can handle that kind of level of bullshit and uh, i'll sit back and just wait so (laughs) snowsville's telling me that i should be paying attention (laughs) to the twitch chat as well but um i think you know it's that's where the interest comes from is will frontier continue to do well as long as frontier continues to do well the elite dangerous franchise is safe if there's a dip and there's no good explanation for it whether it's a purchase of assets or things that that knocks their profit margins down um where there's investment you can see that the company's growing and it's confident in its returns so that you can sit back and if you looked at for example if you go and look at no man's sky has the money injection and then the sharp drop in players has that continued to keep the company going long enough or are they actually in a danger point by the drop in sales and not being able to make enough money to release the next update which will essentially put the coffin lid on their game and I know they've had their big update I know there's been a resurgence of people going back to it it's just not got me Um, and I think there's quite a lot of people that don't really give a game that much of a chance uh, which is a shame because 
I wrote off a particular Kickstarter game and then went back to it with you guys uh, one night out of a pure chance to show you guys how bad it was and ended up loving it. So maybe... because it's awesome! Maybe we should have uh, a bit more patience with um, games and maybe we should give them a second try when they release an update. Um, I think there's lessons to be learned on all sides. No Minecraft Sky yet. Yeah, that's the one, Lennon. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was I was going to mention Halo games, Grant. I think um, just to go back to back to the point of a little bit of um, you know expectations of Frontier. I mean, the thing is, is that we kind of need to you know, to recognise they are a prudent company and that they don't take big risks. They aren't the kind of people who leap into the unknown, which is why when you make the comparison to Star Citizen, that's yeah, that was a leap into the unknown, you know. Now, whether it comes off or not, fantastic. You know, I, I don't, they, they still took the risk and people will still remember them for taking the risk. Um, if they if it doesn't come off, then, you know, then obviously that, that was brave but foolhardy. If it does come off, they were brave but genius. So, mm. you know, we still don't know, do we really? I mean, we, we can all make a personal decision. Um, mine is to, you know, <laughs> not go anywhere near it until it... Uh, uh, gets into gets into a shop, but um, you know, stranger oh. things have happened at sea. Yeah, uh, I mean, personally, for uh, on that project, it, it is a case of um, waiting for for a certain bar to be reached before I get involved in that one. Um, but yeah, hasn't everybody got it now? Is that not the case? You know, you reach that point where they've taken on so many pre-sales that everyone's bought it. Um. No, it's only me. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why I was doing uh, this marketing. You know, <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> just you left, Alan. They're trying to get yeah, the last everyone, of your money everyone, out of you. Everyone else in the world, you know, is, is <laughs> even even that that even that president that fled Gambia. The reason he, you know, the reason he left with ten million pounds, it was all to put into Star Citizen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> um, well, I. Well, looking at Newsletter 158, I think we've covered most of the things that were in there, with the exception of the the new bobbleheads. Now, Ben, did you buy them? I might have gotten one of them. <laughs> it rotates! It, ro- <laughs> it rotates! So, I had to! So you're impressed with your bobblehead, then? I've not been. I've not bought any of the other bobbleheads. Not even the David Braben one, because I just didn't like them. How Whereas you a David Braben and a cheeky Braben bobblehead. Because I didn't want it. <laughs> basically. Ooh, you've you've, yeah, I, you've you've sparked the. Now they're wondering what rotates, Ben. <laughs> what rotates? <laughs> <laughs> well, what things in the game rotate? <laughs> now the, it's the so we've got the Coriolis bobblehead. I got the we've got the filled in one, which is the one I've got, and anyone watching the Twitch stream can see that rotating just to the left of my my scanner on just now. And we also got a wireframe bobblehead, which I didn't get, um, and I believe that rotates as well, though. But I don't know if they've taken the full model. And just shrunk it down to be the site to be in your cockpit, or if it's a slightly simplified one, but it looks beautiful, it really does. And it's got a nice little 
it's the Coriolis with the green light, greeny blue lights on it. So I guess that's that would be the original one. Mm. I but do wonder. Co- go on. Mm? But Sorry, of course, ben, it's, it's picking up all of your other light that's coming into the cockpit. So you know, it's shining. It's got the reflection of the orange on my HUD. When somebody shines a light in my cockpit, it's got that. I can see laser beams being reflected off it. It looks so beautiful. Um, and even I think even the little the spring on it is rotating as well. <laughs> so not bad for three quid then. Not bad for three quid. No, uh, I've actually I've moved into the sun now, so you can see a little bit better. <laughs> I just wish we could get a bit closer to it. Do you think that this is the one possibility that they could have? You could have personalised bobbleheads where you send in your own scans of, or photos, and they will they will do you a bobblehead of you. No, <laughs> on many many levels, not least because we know how awkward it is, and for them to get the textures and the models into the game in the first place, it's not as simple as any of us would think. Okie dokie. Right. So this brings us on to uh, one of our main discussion points for this evening. Uh, and one which um, I know Alan is, is chomping at the bit to discuss. Um, it has been announced that the EDRPG, the Elite Dangerous Role Playing Game, has passed its Kickstarter target. So as far as we're concerned, the project's going ahead and it's now. Well, what's the state of play with it, Alan? Uh, 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 what you just said. <laughs> um, There's about into, 20 days into left. The, there. Into the extensive... Yeah, yeah, and we're, we're into the extensive list of um, there's, there's There's been a massive amount of enthusiasm for, you know, what's going on. Uh, it's been lovely to, to watch it sort of tick by. Um, as I said earlier, uh, one of the things I did prior to them launching, as I said to them, you're going to need to have a lot of content so uh over the christmas holiday i did write a, a couple of stories for them so that uh, so that they'd have something and the stories are designed to be um launch pads for adventures so as i said earlier the wreck has just finished all eight parts of the wrecker up so the idea is the wreck will feature in say one of the books and uh there's then an opportunity for people to to put together the adventure that would that would follow the wreck. Um, similarly, there's another story that's launching. Uh, I think tomorrow, uh, live bait will launch tomorrow, which is another uh, story in a similar way. And uh, there's also there's the unexpected guest, which is over on the uh, on the website. But in terms of the project itself, yeah, it means they're funded. Um, I think I think it's worth bearing in mind that you know essentially what's happening here is that we're seeing. Uh, a company launching itself in terms of its product. Its product is now viable. That company has then got to make business decisions in relation to, you know, to the end of its Kickstarter because, um, you know, Kickstarter is a, is a weird world. And having been there in a campaign of my own, it's a weird space to be in. You can't really make decisions on your next move until your funding period is finished. And they've got, you know, another 22 uh, days to go. Um, so there's plenty of time for them to, to accrue quite a lot more uh, funding and backers uh, in relation to, you know, to what they want to want to fund and what they want to get out. And then 
they'll have to see, you know, when they put those products together, they'll have to see what um, what products are on the slate, go through them, put them out, and then um, then move on to, to whatever's next. So, I, you know, we can kind of see where they're going to go in terms of what what gets funded. At the same time, you've also, if it doesn't get funded, you've got an indication of where the company's planning to go as well. So, you know, I, I think it's exciting. Yeah, at present, I mean, I'm looking at the, the Kickstarter page right now. They're at 53,000, uh, almost 53,000, almost 500. Um, so they're they're closing in on their first stretch goal of, of 60K. So um, that's the art-boosted book. So and f- fingers crossed. I mean, it, like they say, we've got another 21 days left in this Kickstarter. So I think we're we're all got high hopes that this will go a lot higher. Uh, I mean, I know that I've pledged in. Uh, I'm assuming everybody else has. Yep. i tell you what, if I hadn't, and it's possibly one of the... Yeah, well... Sorry, I know what the most amazing things is is as part of this um, crew... Nice. If oh. it... Yeah, go on. Part of the screw we get we get sometimes the opportunities to have a go at things that you wouldn't normally and if I hadn't backed it uh, after last week when we had our shot at it um, I would have backed it I thoroughly enjoyed it so I'm <laughs> looking, looking forward to getting that episode out to everybody else out there as well so it was brilliant uh, it's brilliant and fun yeah I you know I, I think I mean obviously having a chance to test it has is great um, you guys had a, a bit of a playthrough, which you know we're, we're hoping to, to air. We've got a second playthrough with Colin, myself. Oh yes, off John and well, uh, and hopefully Marshall as well uh, tomorrow night. So um, so yeah, so you know, someone was saying something. No, well, you dropped out for a second there, so we, I think someone oh. was going to jump in and rescue, but you came oh, okay. back. All right, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, uh, you know, it's exciting and and. Knowing Oliver and John and having had Oliver and John on, you know, they're good people. And, you know, they, they, they're very honest about what they're trying to do. You know, they want this to be a great project. They want it to be all-encompassing. If they can, they can make it all-encompassing, they're as much fans as we are in terms of wanting to answer all the mysterious questions, um, which is, you know, is, is fantastic fun. And it's, it's a ride, you know, um, sometimes, uh, part of the part of the you know the road is is as good as the destination, but I mean we'll see. I, I, the one thing that that has struck me, and you know, and obviously I've spoken to them a lot. One thing that struck me is that they want this to be absolutely top-notch quality. You know, they have they've gone out their way, and one of the reasons that when they they lured me in to to help them, um, one of the reasons that I was prepared to do it was because. They just talked about who they've got in with them. They have all the best people, and that's not a Donald Trumpism. Uh, <laughs> we will have all the best words. You're not, you're not being modest the there people. at all, are you, Alan? <laughs> no, I'm not including me. In the, in the, you know, that's, that's the point. I'm not including me. I'm looking at it and going, "Wow, I, you know, all the best people involved in Elite Dangerous are here." Um, you know, Mike Brooks is in it. Uh, Josh Attack's in it. You know. If you're gonna if you're gonna lure anyone back into you know that the community really wants to do more work on Elite Dangerous, then it's it's Josh Attack, isn't it? You know, 
yeah, everyone's definitely. delighted. His artwork's to, so nice. Yeah, everyone's delighted to see what he's going to do next. And if the art book's the next, you know, the next goal, then he gets that chance to, you know, to pick up his his magic brushes and start making some more things live, which is, you know, he's incredible. Um, I absolutely adore what what he does. Um, so yeah, so it. They, you know, they very much struck me all the time whenever I've spoken to them that they want the best possible thing. But what they don't want to do is they don't want anybody going involved, getting as part of it and going, oh, you know, I got a bit stiffed. You know, I got involved. I was involved for the love of it. And then somebody else made money out of me. That's not what they're into. You know, they are very, very clear about the way in which they're, you know, they're looking at this, which um you know, for, for someone who's been burned like I have at times, that's that's lovely to see. And, they, you know, all, all the time when they've gone through it, that's the attitude that they've adopted, you know, uh, which is great. Right. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I must admit, I've been, I've been following this and I'm really looking forward to giving it a play test, I think, soon. I don't, I don't know whether it's tomorrow or, or at some point. But, um, yeah, I mean... I take it it's it's more than just a, a rewrite of Traveller. <laughs> it's 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 oh, crikey. Um the the narrative takes over very quickly. Uh, Oliver is uh, an amazing games master as well, so it becomes uh, you know that that number one rule of role play games: never split the party. He yeah. He was more than happy to split us and give challenges. It was great fun. It worked, as I say, thoroughly enjoyed Elite Encounters when we did those series as well. And Dave Hughes, you know, cannot wait until it's out. And the differences between the two are something we'll maybe talk about in a future episode once we sort of have finalised products and we can kind of give that rundown. But it's... They are different um you know there's there's this there's quite noticeable differences in the combat now i know that with uh, dave hughes he wanted to ensure that the adventures wasn't just a case of attack everyone and batter your way through the adventures he wanted there to be a bit more uh, challenging to it and i've never done traveler so i don't know how the Elite Dangerous RPG compares to Traveller, but the, we had a lot of combat, which was a lot of fun, and wasn't too easy. We were lucky. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And when you hear it back, you'll hear how lucky we were. The dice roll were very kind to us at points. Fozzle was lucky. Fozzle was... Yeah. And you know what? I'm not, we can't, we're not even going to spoil it, because no. it is a particular scene that it's not particularly long, but I can tell you can tell when a GM is really gritting his teeth at the successful roles of somebody thinking, you bugger, you're not gonna get away with this Oh my god So yeah, that's that was we just had a laugh. It was just so much fun for an evening. Um and definitely recommend it if you're 
See now, I don't know how many people are Ben and Colin. If you're like me, I mean, role playing games uh, in Glasgow was the quickest way to get <laughs> your arse kicked at school. It was never there was no role play clubs. There was nowhere to go to oh. scratch that itch. Dungeons and Dragons was out there, but you had to know the correct incantations to find the bloody players. <laughs> so yeah, at school, we had it. But then when I left school, as you say, it was the, right, well, I've got girls over there, <laughs> and I've got you're, everybody doing my computing course over there. You're not I know where I'm going to be the, then. You're not, you did not just draw, <laughs> do all that. You know, you can have RPG and you can have girlfriends in, in real life and fake life. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I couldn't actually... I'm sure there must have been a role-playing games club at my university, but they certainly weren't advertising in the computing science department. Actually, the problem was it needs to be Which advertised. Is the place it needs to be advertising outside of a pint glass if it was going to get my <laughs> attention, and, and I just missed out. So I've not got any links or anywhere. Where if I was, to, you know, which I have, I've backed these games. I'm going to have these copies, and I'm not going to be able to play them with anybody in this area because there's no one that I know that would be interested, you know um, with the likes of Simon, he's more than happy, but two players does not a role playing game make, so I have to look forward and be, you know to, to LaveCon, to 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 elite meet for opportunities where we're mixing with other commanders to get right into it and have some fun, so I, that's why you know, really excited about all of the community events this year, so I'm desperate, oh you little bugger Cat In the meantime, well, well, well. Uh, <laughs> Grant is is fending off his. Um, no, I won't say it. Uh, Alan. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Don't grab it. <laughs> I, I mean, that was quite a quite a meandering uh, uh, ramble. In that um, uh, we got we got halfway towards uh, stereotyping all role playing game culture, <laughs> and then uh, and then Grant Grant kept going with his shovel in a different direction to dig Ben <laughs> out, um, which was uh, was hilarious. I mean, um, you know, I, I mean, people probably know that uh, uh, my involvement with role-playing games has been pretty much since I was, uh, I was, I was sort of um, halfway through secondary school. I've, you know, I've always been involved with role-playing games, writing my own role-playing games, um, DMing uh, Sunday night, in this house, actually, uh, it's quite weird actually to be here and talking about this. Sunday night in this house was was years. You know, I literally ran a session every Sunday night for years and years and years, and and people queued to be a part of the adventure party. Not not literally queued that night, you know. But but what would happen is I could only have five players, so if someone died, they had to not come next week, and someone else came. You know, which was. That was the way it was, um, you know, and and everybody accepted it. And uh, I didn't run campaigns where stuff was easy in any way, shape, or form. It was always difficult, you know. You you were probably lucky if everyone survived every week, you know. So yeah, you know. Um, and I don't think I ever found um, Ben's uh, Ben's problem in terms of this way or that way. But then again, I, you know, I wasn't a particularly uh, social uh social person so i you know i was quite um quite into my things you know into my uh uh my games my toys my my stuff and uh, 
and that was that, that was the way things were. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, role playing's got it's kind of grown out of its you know its old eighties uh, and nineties um, trappings of of being antisocial. It's it's got very good at being social and actually playing online. A lot of my friends play online. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, role playing games played online. You know, hanging out with their friends who they can't see, as Grant's putting it. Um, so using Google Hangout or whatever, which um, which is great fun, and you know, more power to it. I wish I played more. You know, and I have to say, I do agree with the, the point of you know, you collect stuff up and you kind of look at these lovely books on the shelf, and you don't necessarily use them as much as as much as you should. So yeah. Yeah, I'd actually I'm, credit um, MMORPGs like World of Warcraft for becoming RPGs almost becoming cool. Okay. Um, I mean, I know it's, it's fashionable to slag <laughs> RPG off a bit, but okay. I, uh, I wouldn't. So it's like <laughs> it's it's allowed for them them to become more mainstream. I wouldn't. I would. I would credit um, board games. No, and I, I would I, credit uh, card games. Uh, as making RPGs a little bit more cool. Um, I think actually, there actually, is... an interesting theory on that one, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I don't know about you guys, but I must have got very lucky at Leeds University because I came across a, a very mixed and diverse role-playing group where everybody with plenty of different genders and, mm-hmm. and, and different people from uh, racial and, and religious backgrounds were all playing. So I, I think I must have uh, really lucked out with that. Um, however, I will say that sometime in the early 90s, round about the time of the Vampire Masquerade came out, that is seen to me that the moment where it seemed that there seemed to be a lot more girls playing and a lot more, it seemed to be a lot more social. It's interesting. I mean, it's, we're on a bit of a tangent, but I'll I'll pick you up there in that yeah. I founded the I founded the role playing society at um, at college here uh, with a friend who actually he was an elite an elite player and he was the person who um, got um, he's Lucy and Ark Knight on the um, on the forums. I just um, got in contact with him the other week, and um, he got uh, his copy. I was around his house when he got his copy of Frontier First Encounters. Uh, and, and loaded it up on his computer, and it was so buggy that you know it didn't work. So actually, I remember that you know very clearly, and that was during the same period that we you know we were running the role playing society. Um, yeah, I mean we ran we ran a live game at uh, the local British Legion for Vampire. We had mm. our own rule system, you know, and, and sort of set it all out. And we used to you know Andover's a tiny town, you know, it's not a big town. Uh, and Basingstoke had a, a small game and Southampton had a game and a couple of other places. And we were all affiliated. So, you know, if you ha- if you played your character in one game, you could go into the other one, you'd play your character there. And, um, uh, uh, you know, we'd run every week and we would get 60 people. You know, we'd run a live vampire game, game and we'd get 60 people. And the, the gender balance was fairly even. It wasn't even, but it was fairly even. It was better than mm. you'd see, you know, in a, a, a tabletop game. Um, so yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of things. I think Ben, you know, Ben's right, you know, to a point in that EverQuest and and World of Warcraft, and certainly, you know, World of Warcraft's advertising campaigns, you know, did something. There's a lot of stuff that you know that helped turn role playing games into quite a, you know, a sort of a 
uh, an open, acceptable hobby. Um, you know, and, and in small ways, things like playing One Night Werewolf in the pub, you're playing a role-playing game. You know, you are, because you're playing a role, right? You know, so it's stripped down, but you're playing a role-playing game. Um, thankfully, the UK didn't really have the American stuff with all the bothered about Dungeons and & Dragons and... Oh, yeah, um, the religious overtones yeah, and all the, that kind the, of stuff. The late the late eighties stuff where where they were basically saying, uh, no, it's not it's not about rock music. It's about role playing games, role playing games and Satan, blah blah blah. You know, we didn't get quite that stuff over in the UK, so we were, you know, quite lucky in that regard. But there was certainly certainly a stigma attached, um, and you know, to a point, gaming gaming's had to grow out of that. It's had to grow out of that both ways. It's it's had to grow out of it in that the hobbies and pastimes um you know can can be good and positive oh dear have we have we lost our end again and, and oh, no. yeah. you got me am i here you are here? you are no back yes okay sorry yeah so so um i was saying that you know they had to grow out of those two things had to grow out of the um uh, the the negativity associated with the, um, the the pastime, and it had to grow out of actually the participants reinforcing the negativity by thinking that you know it was sort of yeah that that it was only for for young young kids or young boys you know that that girls couldn't play the this that and the other and and everything else so. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's it's a fantastic role playing games are great. They're, they're great. They're inclusive. They can be nerdy, but um, they're they're great. And um, yeah, the more that they're seen as as inclusive of of people, the more they're seen, you know, of, of celebrating diversity, the better. Galecon was really good for me. Galecon was was you know really opened me up to to seeing real diversity in role-playing um, and seeing lots and lots of different types of people. And, of course, all my, my live event experiences as well. Mm. I mean, for me, I mean, I was role-playing games. I was role-playing from, I think, about the time when the original leak came out. And the reason why I mentioned Traveller is because I think a lot of people notice similarities between the Traveller role-playing game and what came out in Elite. Um, so that when we actually did want to roleplay Elite, all we did was transpose those rules over. Now, I think Traveller is yeah. one of the first ever space-based yeah, sure. role-playing games. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's got great rules, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's one of the things that's, that's interesting in terms of the evolution of games in that, or, you know, role-playing games is that um, you've seen some systems decide that they need lots of different versions you know, to refine their rules a new new update edition blah 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 and then you see other games that essentially they hit an elegant sweet spot they're not trying to to do everything Rollmaster was one of those games that tried to be exhaustive tried to absolutely simulate everything uh traveler is one of those games that had some great ideas and some really good things and it it didn't need to over supplement itself. It didn't need to do anything too much. So actually what the, um, what the players got, what the GMs got, what the people who bought, bought the books got is they got something pretty complete. So it was very, very elegant. Um, and 
there's never really been other than traveler because we all go back and cite traveler there's never really been the definitive science fiction role-playing game there's always the you know if you say fantasy then immediately oh it's dungeons and dragons you know it's yeah. definitive fantasy role-playing game there's actually you know there are a few pretenders to the crown in terms of who would be the definitive science fiction game but there's never been the definitive one and it's really interesting to see you know what what will happen with elite dangerous role you know, um, rpg and also um you know the sort of the the things that are uh that it incorporates and, and learns on from its predecessors one of the things that was great about um the the traveler and traveler derivative games um because dark conspiracy i played um other games produced by gdw uh they, they used a a career pathway system the career pathway system was amazing absolutely amazing um you know, the, the it was a game in itself you know that you basically that you generated your character and then you joined a profession and you'd every couple of years you'd pass out of that profession with a couple of extra skill points but if you rolled your dice again you could get to go back in and do another couple of years and you'd pass it and what it what it did is it you didn't just get these couple of extra skills you got a very diverse party rather than the ad and d side of stuff where you got lots of young adventurers you ended up with one person who basically ended up in you know career military or career marines or something in their 50s and someone else <laughs> who was you know bummed out at, at, at 17 and someone else who was 24 and you know so you actually had quite a you know which was clever um so really like that and uh, it is something that you know traveler is something that i i'm constantly talking to oliver and john about you know in terms of that you need to recognize that this exists because it's it's a great and elegant game system but they've also got to devise something that's theirs you know in terms of what's there haven't they so yes they have you know yeah um well, uh ben's ben said gurps oh oh i'm so i'm sure someone has to take a drink now don't they right you know <laughs> <laughs> gurps uh, gurps is uh gurps is still going gurps is you know he's consistent uh consistently going steve jackson games uh release supplements for it all the time gurps has always attempted to be every other role-playing game you know because it's generic universal role-playing system so yeah. what it what it did is they basically they looked at every other setting and, and licensed other settings and changed them to the GURPS rules. You know, there is a, a good core community around GURPS and they're very into rules. You know, they, they, they're quite, um, quite strong in terms of, you know, their, their rules basis in terms of what they do. Yeah. I mean, I must admit my favorite, and, and this is, this is just a few pure personal thing. The first edition of the Star Wars role-playing game with the D6 is, uh, it, it it was absolutely manic, followed quickly by paranoia. But <laughs> um, and I'm yeah. so glad they're doing a re reboot of that. Oh, uh, reboot paranoia. paranoia! Yep. Oh, God. Uh, you see, yeah, you see. Um, I, well, I know a little bit about what's going on with that, so it's not um, bit of a shame. Bit of a shame. I don't think it will quite live up to you know to being a completely new and and fresh take and you know, with, with new ideas, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, yeah, no, I love paranoia. Paranoia was a, one of the games that we, we always played, you know, and obviously the theme and the, the style of play, uh, the paranoia brings is totally different to anything else. Yes. Um, so yeah. <laughs> oh, shall we move on? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, well, the other thing that we were, we were hoping to cover tonight was a little bit of rampant speculation. 
and that's about the next release of uh, 2.3. And also, um, for everybody's terms as space legs, but like me and Grant like to refer to as elite feet. <laughs> so I, mean, I put a Reddit post up um, last week, just basically outlining what if people think season three is going to be um, elite feet, what how you'd how to imagine that um, Frontier would have broken that uh, that down into stages as they usually do. So just to bring everybody up to date, I always thought three would be the initial walking round of uh, of the ships and maybe including boarding actions on the ships. Um, 3.1 would be actually be able to walk around on planets themselves and get out of the SRV. Uh, 3.2 would be something like outposts, where you could actually walk around outposts. And finally, 3.3 would be the full big walking around the space stations. And I must admit, I was quite taken aback by um, a lot of the comments, which was mostly very positive, um, mostly about adopting the phrase elite feet instead of space legs, which I think Grant should be quite happy about. Yeah, um, definitely. So, <laughs> well, maybe maybe 3.1 will be called elite feet socks, and then we'll work our way up to shoes and boots. <laughs> uh, apparently, I, I, I put a suggestion out in, in Reddit, and they sort of said, no, not until it's officially mentioned on one of the live streams. That is season three should be called Elite Feet instead of Space Legs. So I'm I'm putting it out there. Ask ask the next live stream whether it should be referred to as Elite Feet. <laughs> Just okay, to make I'm, Grant stay. I'm gonna I'm gonna devil's advocate you here a little bit because this will obviously increase you know, if I poo poo this, then everybody will go for it. You know, that's my it's <laughs> <laughs> my reasoning. Um so Space Legs obviously has got some connotations from sea legs yeah right you know the idea of uh getting your space legs because of course you know the ship's in motion so you've got a uh you get a rolling gate etc etc um what's the what's the linking with elite feet then? it rhymes alan it rhymes rhymes, and it's the best (laughs) feet in the world also mag boots go on your elite feet so you can't have mag boots without elite feet (laughs) Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the you, the selling point is that it rhymes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Another the height, as in elite feet, yes. rather than rhymes with anything else, just because it feet rhymes with elite. Yeah. 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 Effectively, okay. and or L three three seven F three three seven. See, it okay. just works. Okay. So a- you, you're gonna and you and you're gonna spell it like that, are you? <laughs> just think about it because pe- people are going to speak and elite speak there you go if you write an article about it it would be an elite feature see it just it opens it up for all <laughs> to enjoy uh, yeah okay <clears throat> however it, it does yeah, it does. yeah I, the, the pleasure is is just radiating off of you yes and um, someone else also mentioned that um Uh, 3.2.01 should also be dancing legs or dancing feet. Um, We do know that Sandro Samarco does have some previous with this kind, these kind of dancing. La 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 la. No, he doesn't. Nothing happened here. 
So, so this would be this would be this would be just just so I'm I'm getting in the zone with this. Okay, so <laughs> need to need to leap feet. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I guess. Uh, yes, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess if, it could it, be. Yeah, yeah, because because oh. it can't be dancing elite feet, right? It's got a it's got a rhyme. Yeah. It's, yes. It's, it's brick, uh, if you are have... you neat with your elite feet? PvP, what armed <laughs> or, combat could be called elite feet pedicure? No, it doesn't work. No, no, no. You know, <laughs> no. it's an elite feet treat, right? <laughs> yes. Or, well, um, for or, all or diving, diving and dancing along to an elite feet beat. Yeah. There, there we have it. The elite feet beat. So that have I, have I exhausted this enough yet? I, I, I think so. <laughs> I think so, but I'm just I'm just trying to be supportive, Colin. Yeah, but it's almost as bad, almost as bad as the hand solo dance off from the from the Xbox Kinetic, which I do believe Sandro might have some connections to. So he's got previous. <laughs> okay. This is a blackmail material on him. <laughs> I'm sorry, have you seen that? It is possibly you, some of the you, worst. You, even, it even makes the sort of disco tunes of the past, the mecha Star Wars disco forgivable. Um, that dance scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I would mean, argue it makes the Elite, elite the Musical forgivable. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> No, yeah, Storm, if you want to, if I want to see stormtroopers dance along to, uh, in the Empire to do it today, then you know, in the Empire to the songs of YMCA, you are quite welcome to. I will never watch that handful <laughs> with you again. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's not even good. It's just awful. Um, equally, can I just just clarify that uh, when Ben said "elite dangerous uh, musical," the elite musical, um, he did not mean "Mercy in the Wild Sea." Just just to clarify. No, Mercy in the Wild Sea is awesome. <sighs> yes. <laughs> so basically, has anybody got any rampant speculation? Let's leaving the elite feet beat behind us uh, to what what we can expect from space legs and elite feet. I well, think, yeah, it's got to be, if we're, if we're going, you know, slightly more, uh, slightly more pragmatic and, and thoughtful, um, it's got to be looking at previous in terms of managing to do landings and what have you. They are going to need to do it in a, a mapped and controlled environment, aren't they? So I think the rollout will be cautious um, and it will be limited to begin with. So mm -hmm. if you can think of a space that you could start having a character move around, then, um, you know, that's a limited space, then I think that will probably be the starting point. Uh, similarly, we've got to think as well about zero G. Yes. Um, and we've also got to think about maintaining first person. I think there will be a maintenance of first person. I don't think there'll be a flip out. Um, you know, no, that's, I... that's it's maybe me, uh, you know, going out on a limb there, but, um, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's how they'll do it because we've noticed one of the things we've noticed with, um, the Thargoid visit, just how frontier have made use now of that limited perspective of not flipping out to third person. You know, they are very much ingraining that into the ways in which content is discovered, how you, you know, even the point of, you know, that's, that's, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is that 
it's the the powerlessness that they managed to generate in that scene um, of being alone in your ship and your ship yeah. powered down whilst that thing's there. You know, that's something that I think is probably going to be a continual feature of um, uh, of the of the new rollout. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think Ben wants to say something. Okay, Ben, you go next. Oh, I think. Uh, Stoops X has actually made a very, very valid point that he's wanting the farming part of Elite Feet, which would obviously be Elite Wheat. Great. Yes, right. <laughs> okay. uh, Interrupted sorry, for that. Oh. Sorry, Colin. <laughs> it was only you know, a one I... dot. Oh, good grief. Sorry, sorry Colin. <laughs> I thought you were going off on a roll then. Oh, well, never mind. Uh, yeah, so. Ooh, ooh, oh, ooh, ooh. And then when, go on then, Grant. When we get to the big, you know, beautiful Orbis stations and such, it can be Elite Streets. No, I don't think that one works. Elite Streets. Nice, nice, nice tribe. Well, no, not really. Maybe with a, a strong Ouija accent, but I don't think the, the rest of the English language works. <laughs> is is the aim here to make is the aim here to make Colin sick of his own phrase? Yeah, <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things I wanted to. Oh, go on then, Grant. Oh what, God, uh, help did, me. I was just go. thinking, you know, as, you, as you're running down to to the hangar bay to get involved in a war, that would be running to <laughs> running with your elite feet to to form up an elite fleet. So a fleet works. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll we'll give you that one, Grant. Any more? Uh, <laughs> well, if, any, if still anybody have else any will to live. <laughs> yeah. If anybody else, if anybody else is um, having any ideas with their lower intestine as opposed to their brain, then um, you know maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We're really scraping it down deep now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was that was kind of what I was saying. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, where did you think, Colin, that um, uh, that you're going to get some of the content? Where, where do you think three is going to um, going to go? <coughs> well, personally, I'm I'm kind of hoping that we get walking around the ship and boarding actions, and hopefully, and this is this is going out on a limb a little bit here, some kind of player to player interaction like trade, where you could actually yeah, okay. instead of a boarding action where you, you go in and attack the other player, you go in and just chat to them and say, well, I've got some, I've got some uh, palladium here, I'll swap it for you for that uh, unknown artifact you've got. I think, I mean, the only thing there is that, of course, as soon as you get it into interaction, you're dealing with more than one variable. Um, Rex, I think, might be a, a place, a starting point, you know, because, of course, it's a, a predetermined variable. Um mm. You know, that's already there. Um, and, you know, that's content that's downloaded by both parties or, you know, you know, whoever arrives on it, etc. Um, you know, I hate to, I'm not trying to plug this, but actually one of the things I did with the wreck was, as a story, was to, you know, it's very first person. It's actually one of the reasons, one of the reasons I wrote the stuff for EDRPG in first person was... Um, because of the close perspective that Elite's got at the moment, I wanted to make it very tied, um, which uh, which I thought would uh, would work really well. And you know, and that is the exploration. It's an individual going out 
the airlock and then putting a, a cable to a wreck and then um uh you know uh spanning across and uh, and finding out what's in it so yeah that that would be a great exploration wouldn't it yeah I'm, I'm sorry i'm getting a little bit overwhelmed now by the chat room so far we've got holidays in an elite fleet would be to elite crete interactions in elite feet would be elite greet oh god elite stealth mode elite discreet <laughs> what have i done <laughs> uh you know what i, th- I think we might have Derailed so space like, <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to go down this route, you know, we need to have a range of vehicles. Um, you know, like segways. Uh, so not segways. Uh, what do you call them? Sedgways. <laughs> what are they called? I don't know what they're called. But you got to get your feet on them. So we should do with some like kind of like kind of hoverboards for travelling around on stations, or or ways that take that long walk away. Um, but I would love to see something with pedal power, just to introduce some comfort. You know, just imagine you get your Oculus on, and then you got to go right. Where's the W and E key so that I can pedal this bad boy to where I'm going? <laughs> so you so basically, not only do you want to walk around stations, you want to get in a tricycle and cycle around them. Yeah, but it's got to be a it's got to be a good keyboard basher so that you can, you know just so you get a bit of retro gaming back in. So you're yeah, on about daily, daily Thompson is the Catherine, but you ruin your keyboard in order to get your characters to go talk to some some vendor somewhere on on the station. <laughs> Bike races around it. <laughs> that would just be fantastic. You can just see people sitting there in the commander in their ship's dock watching <laughs> these two commanders on these cycles going at it hell for leather all Perhaps. the way around the station. Yeah. You've got, you know, you you've got where the yellow trucks go around at the moment in the docking bay. Yeah, you totally <laughs> could go around that in your in your bike, couldn't you? Yeah, little bike races across. That would be epic. It'd just be fantastic. But oh, these are uh, getting it serious for a second. I mean, <laughs> is that going to be possible? I'm trying. I'm trying. I mean, what what would you do? You think? Obviously, we want to keep it in first person. Yes. But I've recently been playing Grav with Fozza. And one of the nice things that they've got in that is you can press F1, F2 and things like that for a series of emotes, like being able to to wave at somebody and to, uh, to point <laughs> at things. You can sit down. You can dance around a campfire. Um, but do you think that Elite should go all the way to that extreme as well, that we can control our avatar using various various functions i actually i would say so even by a command in the in the uh in the chat window i think that that kind of thing is is imperative if you're even if you're in first person sorry you want your your remotes before well you're all a bit i think alan's got a bit thargoidy Um, he, must have a really, he must have a really, a really serious and excellent point to make then. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or Frontier are just not letting him come out yet. Hello, Alan, can you hear us? Um, maybe. No. 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 no, it's not, it's not he, working. Uh, it is not working, and I bet you he had a killer of a point. Always is the way. <laughs> Don't, I mean, I'm, I'm with you that I totally want to be able to walk around our spaceships... Um, and I think one of the I think one of the things that probably pushing spaceship customization, sorry, pushing the spaceship 
closer down the line is can you imagine how much money Frontier could make by selling different cabins? You know, you can go off and get get a different bedspread for for your for your bunk and things like that. And you know that pet players would do it. No. Well, hold on a second. As as soon as you say things like that, you're going into the fish tank territory of the other game. He just took me back to the eighties and my Star Wars duvet set. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, could could you? That'd be. Could you imagine? That'd be awesome, though. Like that's not speculation. That's 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 what we're gonna have. You know, novelty novelty toilet seats. You know that we can put on our, our well, cabin toilets. It's just—it's not that. Um, yeah. No. 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 I think you've, you think you've gone yeah, too far, you don't Ben. Think outrageous. That you have your. <laughs> you don't, you, you, can you honestly tell me that you do not want your bunk to have, say, a wireframe Coriolis as your duvet cover? Does, does it rotate? You know you want that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it would in zero G. It would in space, yeah. The thing is, that that's you know trivial content. I think you kind of you missed the the elephant in the room because obviously outfits are are going uh, yes. to be the the big thing. So a lot of outfits, clothing, facial designs, tattoos, hairstyles, um, so that you can create um, DLC and and uh, and dare I say microtransactions to customize your. Your character, uh, or maybe you know, they'll go down the, the Eve one with credits to change your appearance and stuff like that. It's just, it, it is wide, wide <clears throat> open, but it's when it gets to the point of okay, I can see you walking around your ship being first because it's a controllable size space and it's awesome, and then planet surfaces would be second. I think, I think you're spot on with that kind of progression, Colin, because those kind of make sense. It may well be planets first and then ships, um, but. Because I know that the T9's not fully modelled, and if you have a Vive and you walk to the back, you can see where things are spliced and there's holders in. So I'm not entirely sure that the whole ship is available or finished. So I think that's something that obviously needs an awful lot of work. But the stations are definitely going to be last because you've got to have a point to walk around on them. You've just got to. So there's no. It's not going to be great if it becomes like the Eve holding screen where you're in a station and it's just you and your little lounge and then you can walk backwards and forwards to where your ship's docked and that's it. Uh, you want the sense of being in a big station. You want the sense of being able to sort of hook in and, and hire one of these yellow taxis, jump into it and be transported to where your ship is. That You know, you wanting the full experience of that and to go to the local shopping district to, to see what a docking... Uh, what the trade centre looks like. These are the things that are going to be spectacular. Going to the black market guy, uh, and and that opens up a whole world of diversification that they've not had until just recently with the stations looking differently. It's no good going from one station to the next, and then you go to a building, and then up comes the loading screen with the sales target, so you've actually just walked away to a picture of a, of a, a sort of trade desks. We want that immersive there's the guy I go over to him and he goes blah 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 and then maybe brings a data screen up which brings you your trade screens but it doesn't have a feeling of it being I'm just triggering uh, you know, a picture of a trade floor and then I'll get my trade screen up you want it to be I've got a choice here 
And look, I'm going to follow that guy because yes. he looks interesting. And you follow this guy around the station and then he stops and goes, right, good, it's quiet. I've got a mission I need you to do. That's the kind of experiences we want, I think. Oh, I would love. Yes. Alan, if you're back with this. Am I, am I here? You, you, yes. <laughs> I think. Okay. Well, we'll give it a try. So, I only caught half what Grant was saying. Um, but I did a little bit like what they did with... Oh, dear. I'm afraid to say, I think... I think... <laughs> We we are really suffering to here today with Alan. I'm afraid. Oh well, um, I, I think if this is if this is going to be the the point, I think it's going to make is um, the another space sim did something similar to this, where you could walk around stations and interact with um, with people, and that unfortunately was X Rebirth. Did anyone? ever play that because I got I heard bad things about it I just couldn't get past oh, you know I, I bought it I fired it up I've looked and I've just asked it as far as I've gone I just didn't get into it it didn't it just didn't tick the boxes for me from the very start so it got very very I've got that kind of very unforgiving first impressions of a game uh, that I just go, you know what? I've not got the time to 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 sit here. I'm not, not going to read the manual. So if it doesn't explain it to me in the first couple of seconds, and I find it, <sighs> I just turn it off and don't go back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and we are making the assumption that season three is going to be this kind of this kind of um, functionality. The thing is. I had a, a, a feeling that it might be sort of July onwards that we'd actually get into season three. Does that seem too optimistic? Start as in you think we'll get season three in July, or you think we'll start hearing things about season three in July? Well, you see, this, this is a thing about um, season three. I mean, we've so obviously we're only halfway through season two, and I think a lot of people are expecting due to one delay or another, that um, we would be looking at season three now, if not in it. Um, I just wondered, I mean, how far do you think they are off the the yearly mark? I mean, would, do you think this season two is going to last the whole of this year? Or do you think it will flip over at a later point? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I always feel that when they end a season, they want to end it at the end of a of a year. But obviously, there's no there's no reason for that to be the case at all. But um, I think a lot of people in the IRC, or say a lot, a few people in the IRC and and myself, and we, I think July is too soon to be seeing season three kick off uh, at the moment. But maybe we'll st start getting the announcements maybe at a, a LaveCon this year they can give us some information like maybe we, we can find out <laughs> if it will be Elite Feet or not um, it's just yeah it's interesting to see how it's developing I don't know what else we've got in season 2 coming um, which is the bit which makes it very difficult to get a feel for how long it could be I, I reckon it could be the end of the year before we even see the sort of season 3 
because that's when all the big mm. conventions are. So if mm. you want your your hot pit hot time to to get your latest updates out and to, to announce your next big things and have them coming out, it's definitely going to be the November December and catch that very lucrative Christmas market. Mm. We know we've got the Commanders coming out, which is two point three, yes. and pure speculation that is going to be allowing multiplayer on ships. And yes. I think I think that's a fairly safe bet. Uh, even David Braven himself is saying, if you're in a bigger ship with lots of turrets, it'll be more fun than if you're in a Cobra, for example. Mm-hmm. And yes. he did. He made a point of saying turrets. He did. Um, but obviously, I don't think we're going to be able to get out of our chairs for that. No, but I, I got a sneaking suspicion we'll be able to flip between the various stations. I I think it's going to be using the oh the neural link thing again, isn't it? That's what I think. Well, yeah. That, there's, there's a question though, Ben. If you if you get multiplayer, I... multi-crew, and mm-hmm. yes, how? In the interim, because obviously if you have out of cockpit, you would go and meet up with your crew and head back to the ship. How do you tackle that? So, you know, there you are on docking bay 43 and I can barely see the back of the station. I'm on bay 1 in my little Cobra and I send you a request. Do you magically appear? Will there be some kind of strange cutscene of you bounding in mighty leaps across the uh, station floor? Maybe a, Honestly um, and de- yeah. honestly and depressingly, I think it's just going to be a fade to black like yep. we get in the for getting into the SRV. You know, we don't unfortunately stand up, walk out of our cockpit, down into the SRV bay and then sit in our SRV. We just fade to black, and then we're leaving. Then we, we are magically in our SRV bay, even though so, theoretically it is our our commander rather than using a neural link to get into it. It's, it's better. I think this is one of these things that will be. Well, no, yeah. I think this is one of these things which will be just game gamified. If you see what I mean. Yeah. We know it happens. It has to happen this way for the game's sake. Otherwise, you're going to be there thinking, oh, I've got to wait for Ben to get his ass together, get over to my station. I bet he's putting his bloody makeup on. That kind of thing. We don't want that. I, I, don't I want prefer- Ben in makeup at all. But <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, if you, you look you at... Are, you prefer look, me au natural. Look at the high predictions. That's, that is, mm. to all intents and purposes, a stunningly done cutscene. Yes. Yeah. So there is absolutely no reason why there couldn't be some kind of... Uh, realistic cutscene because obviously by that point we'll all have to have been able to design our commanders to some extent so there's no reason why there couldn't be a cutscene of, of Ben coming out and, and jumping into uh, I don't know some kind of commander cannon that fires you across to the other ship um, or some kind of transport that takes you from this. I don't see there being any difficulty with that kind of degree of the adaptive cutscene and by that I mean where for example, you go into that cutscene in a Cobra, and the cutscene features your Cobra, and if you if you mm-hmm. docked there and there's 16 ships around, that they take some kind of snapshot of those ships and then do the cutscene parts over it. Um, to, to But do we want that kind of cutscene as a filler? I don't no, know. No, no, we don't. Have you played Wing Commander? 
Yes. How many times do you see Mark Hamill walking up and down those bloody stairs? Up the stairs, into the <laughs> lift, in the lift, out of the lift, <sighs> back down the stairs. It, ah, yeah. click the it wrong was one. lovely the first, the first couple of times it was lovely. And then it was like, even in a couple of our play session that we did for Retro Lave, it was getting very old. Um, very quickly, yes. Yeah. What I think I could possibly see would be jump out of my out of my chair in my ship, fade to black, and then walk in your cockpit door. And then from there I walk into my seat. But even that I think could get, or well, even if that just takes five seconds, that could get very old very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the. It, <sighs> And you see, the thing is, I can't see how they will handle the transition. I mean, when it, is it going to be? You can only do it at stations. When you're only, can you only do it if you're stationary or on a planet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's that that's the thing of when do you get the when will the sort of the coming aboard thing actually happen? To, to be, I mean, we've got to be blatantly clear. I mean, the drop for uh, the jump into supercruise is 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 a loading scene while it does all the necessarily peer to peer networking and etc. stuff under the surface, giving you something <laughs> to 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 make your you know attention that you're doing something and achieving something that's not just. So I mean, there's plenty of cut scenes that hide that you would consider to be a, a dynamic loading screen because that's what they are glorified loading screen now. To go from your ship into my ship as a sort of co-pilot, that's going to have a degree of a technical handover of protocols of P P to P or networking kicking in, etc. It's going to need to have a something to cover that. So yeah, I think we're going to have to wait and see what they come up with, what the transition will look like, and it's quite exciting really because it could be really really cool you know it could be Ben jumps out of the ship goes down presses a button along comes a ship taxi and then he follows it for the entirety of the journey around one of those massively long roads and then turns up at our ship and then I take off with him <laughs> so you'd like to maroon him on the planet just just wait there and just wait there and he's like, yeah. I mean it was something that uh, obviously both sides are going to see and maybe you ha- yeah, maybe it will be like your grand theft auto someone knocks on the door and you go and answer it and you get a cut scene of them coming through the door in whatever ridiculous <laughs> outfit they're wearing at that time and then it's straight back into the action and that's seconds and it doesn't jar you too much in grand theft auto but it would that would possibly work, wouldn't it? You know, like when you go to someone's house in Grand Theft Auto and you press the doorbell, they go over and they let you in through the menu that pops up, and then there's a picture of them coming in through your your door. So it could be something very similar to that. It's and it's not going to happen as often as you going up and down the stairs in Wing Commander. It's going to be <laughs> I'm I'm going to go and play with Grant, so I jump into Grant's <laughs> ship, and that's like yeah. You know, I suspect I'd be doing that once per gaming session rather than <coughs> jumping in and out of Grant's ship like a rampant rabbit. Well, you see the, the, like that, the pilot limpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that. Great. Which would be fun. Cargo pod pickups, you know, that's what this opens up as well, is the ability to rescue right. somebody floating in space, scoop them up, and then they become into your cockpit. And that would be spectacular. I would love that. As a, as a new mechanic... That would be amazing to go and pick up your crew. I'd love it. And, you know, let's, let's fly back. But there's another aspect of it, which again comes down to the network code, the net code, and then peer to peer. When your co pilot's computer 
crashes uh, and disappears do you sort of like you're sitting there flying left and you go right come on Ben let's get this guy Ben Ben and then you look over to your right and there's nobody there no one's just there yeah silence and a slightly damp pilot seat (laughs) slightly damp (laughs) yeah I mean, thankfully we're in we're in spacesuits, so you know they should be vacuum rated, aren't they? <laughs> yes, true. Yes. Put it this way: all bodily fluids should be internally held, so you'll yes. be fine. You'll you won't have to worry about your upholstery, <laughs> unless of course the entire body gets vaporised, and then well, I guess you'll be there with the uh, uh, the cleaning fluid all day as you try and scrape bits of Ben off your, your cockpit window. Well, actually, that's something that I think is going to be very, very interesting. You know how we were talking about manoeuvring around in space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that every single one of us would want it to be full-on zero-G manoeuvring. Yes? Yes. Yes. But yes. have you watched The Expanse, which is the best example I can think of? Mm-hmm. And... Can you imagine doing manoeuvring whilst the ship is manoeuvring around you and you're not mag-booted onto the, onto the deck? Well, you, you've seen how BB-8 handles it in Star Wars, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Yes, I, I, I think it would hurt a lot. Um, and I think that would be an awesome way for... I mean, this is one of the things I'm desperately hoping we can do is, and I've said this all the way back... I want to be able to go up to a ship, shoot the pilot in the head and steal his ship. No, you heartless nasty, you know, get in my ship. <clears throat> I don't have to be, I wouldn't want to a friendship. I'd be playing with you, Grant, to take over some nasty, horrible code person's pirate. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's one of those things where I think there should be a degree of difficulty when the the whole process of getting into a position where that's a possibility. You've got to fight your way past their ship defences and stuff. And I know that that's something Star Citizen is promising and we don't know what it's going to be like. So again, it's maybe a bit far off. But some of the interesting um, questions there from Snoswell is what about co-pilots rage quitting if their co-pilot is about to get them killed or dead or into trouble that might <laughs> yeah. affect their rep I think oh. if you, once we get to the situation where we have multi-crew we're going to have to have some kind of escape pod situation so they can actually just hit a button and what it looks like is you'll see the pod out there floating for maybe <laughs> maybe five minutes to allow the pilot a chance to go no you're not getting away with that and then to play some you know escape pod tennis with their cobra and whack it into a sun um <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know if you've that, got that, that, was, that would be awesome. I think a laser test would be a better idea, to be honest. Let's let's say Just fifteen seconds, because fifteen seconds is the under duress log off time. So yeah. if you if your connection is or your attempt to quit, uh, it would either dump you uh, into a, into a, the, the the escape pod for fifteen seconds, giving everyone a chance to sort of deal with it. And if you disconnected violently through whatever means, deliberate or otherwise, then again you've got a 15 seconds countdown in a cargo in a skate pod uh, that would then allow uh, your killers to kill you uh, or you know 15 seconds for your pod to then engage its tracking back to your last station which again would actually be 
a fantastic level of, of new gameplay. No, you shouldn't be able to scoop the escape pods and have them, oh, you can do, but they would have to sort of accept that as an option before you were able to do that. And yes, you should be able yeah. to shoot them. Because and, and we, that, can that we sell them as flames if we scoop them? No, I don't think you should. I think well. the only options, at this, <laughs> I mean, it'd be great to have that, but realistically, you know, who's going to log back in and, and start, you know, wiping uh, Imperial Senator Wagar socks you're just not going to play anymore you're just going to sit right I lost next and um, so slavery just doesn't work as a player mechanic it doesn't unless you get exciting stuff but then you're getting into the realms of it not being elite anymore when you've got escape plots and setting traps and stuff like that um, as much as it sounds excellent I think it really the, the scoop mechanism as you go to scoop a canister it should then bring up the option on the canister do you want to be multi-crew or not, you know, and along those lines. And if not, then it just bounces you off the ship until you're. Or, or turns the, or turns the other commander into fertilizer. Well, because what I'm thinking there is, uh, if you're in a combat situation and you're in a wing of four and you've got multi-crew or a wing of two and they're both multi-crew and one of those ships gets destroyed and the other ship's capable of holding that commander. Rather than the, the two commanders in that ship just disappearing back to the main station, they should have a kind of 15 seconds for the other ship to take action and either scoop one of them to bring into their multi-crew and then after that countdown it completes the cargo pod or their canister takes them back to the previous <laughs> station. I keep saying pods. Oh dear. But you know what I mean? It gives yeah. you, it gives you a, an interaction period of... Okay, well, we managed to destroy that ship. Okay, we've lost you, or your ship's out of life support, and they're running to their escape pods in order to get out, and then you can scoop them and take them into your multi-crew and, and then fly back successful um, without really registering a loss of the missing or whatever, um, I think would be a lovely mechanic. In my, in my opinion, yeah, I would love it that way. I would love it that way. Yeah, but what happens if your ship, if in your wings you've got two people on one ship that can hold up to three people and there's only two people in the other ship, you're going to have to choose one. <laughs> That's the beautiful Who's point. your best friend? Who's yeah. your best friend? Go well, on, scoop well, me. Please, no, scoop me. <laughs> I just want to know, yeah, before, I mean, before I bring you on board, what, what is it you can bring to the party? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a team player. <laughs> no, at the minute you're but, not. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the subject of team players, I mean, obviously the... If we're bringing in multi-crew, we've got to think of the kind of roles that your crew's going to do. Um, I mean, we've, we've played Pulsar. We've, we've kind of got an idea. I mean, personally, I can only see three, which would be the commander stroke pilot, a gunner, and an engineer. And if you have more than uh, three people there, that other person becomes another gunner. I mean, oh. I can't actually see any more roles that can be done you're, you're right I mean multi multi gunners is going to work um, from a sense of especially if you've got turreted uh, points as well that's going to be amazing uh, you know don't get cocky kid and that kind of stuff but they could always have the um, team aid um, someone to go and change Ben's duvet um, because obviously the oh, duvet oh, covers oh, are no that's uh, that's going let's go <laughs> That's going to be bad. Well, it? navigation. Let's let's be serious. We've got navigation, so setting the plots and the course, and maybe activating. So, if we look at the likes of the classic kind of multi-crew games, you'll have engineering, weapons, captain, navigation, helm. Um, um, 
what else can you have? Science, uh, communications as well. So, you know, you could stretch it out into these different jobs, but ultimately, what, what's the fun if your job involves pressing one button every two and a half hours? Um, yeah, exactly. So it's, that, that, That's the thing about defining the rules. Yeah. I mean, is it a case of the engineer handles the power management and can angle the shields in a certain way? I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious what the pilot can do. It's pretty obvious what the gunner can do. It's just oh, well, we've got we've got fighters as well. So you've got the the ability for one of you guys to jump out in your fighter. So you know, oh the, yeah, there's that. that. That's another one, and that, that bigger ships would have a, a cater for a catering for that as well. Uh, laundry says stoops eggs. No, I don't <laughs> 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 I've, I've already replied to um, Stephen Usher, who sort of said, "Well, someone will have to make the tea." But you know, we've all got a new rheumatic, serious uh, cybernetics drink dispenser for tea, so we know we don't want that. But navigation, mm. possibly mixed with kind of you know scanning, uh, so that that kind of side of things, so sort of more of a science and navigation station. But it, I think the question really is: is what ship has the biggest crew? Well, see, this is the thing because the one time that um, Sandro talked about this, I think it was way back in Gamescon, um, they, they said that they were trying to aim for if you had a fully crewed. Anaconda, which would be a four players, because they, they, they said that there seems to be a limitation. I got an impression that the limitation was um, the number of players in a wing. So basically, you could have one uh, one Anaconda with four players in it, and that would be your wing, if you see what I mean, or your group. But you could also have two Cobras with crewed by two people, if you see what I mean, and that you could form that up as a wing. But the idea was that if you have four people in one anaconda, that is supposed to be the equivalent of four anacondas piloted by one player. And I really hope they do not go with that, because maybe two and a bit anacondas, something like that, but... <laughs> you know, you, you can't... I don't think you could ever say that one anaconda should be the equivalent of four anacondas. Or whatever. You can't find fire one laser more than once at the same time, so it makes no sense. But there should be an efficiency gain. There should be the ability for for you know the pilot to, because we've all been in pulsar when the first thing you're doing is shouting at the pilot. Could you turn around so that I can shoot this bugger? So it should be <laughs> as possible to be four times you know a quarter of an anaconda with a shit crew. You know that's that's <laughs> equally important. <laughs> <laughs> taken out by an eagle with two people <laughs> sitting on each other's laps because they can't fit in. <laughs> so you're telling me that it'd be a light shite? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the laundry. Oh, come on, guys. The laundry on your ship can always be the elite sheet. Oh, really? Come on. <laughs> oh, oh, one thing that they could possibly go and do to... Even it up for people who want to, like people who are playing just by themselves. Um, although it's not going to balance, do the balancing of one anaconda equals four anacondas. But I do. I wonder if we're going to get AI crew in there as well. Mm. Like we've got our AI pilot who's happily flying a fighter at the moment. Will we get an AI engineer? Yeah. No, we are not having elite pleats for our hair. <laughs> 
I thought that would be. I thought that would be in a kilt. You'd have elite pleats in your in your space kilt. <laughs> yeah, kilts and zero you g You've got do one. not work. Kilts and zero g are bad. Yeah, I've always said that about the you know that's why the onesie is the natural choice of clothing for your pilot because you know yes. as, as pompous and as prim as you want to be, if you've got lots of flappy material, the second you push a downward drive, suddenly your jacket slips up over your face and you can't see Jack. Um, so yeah, onesies for the win. Uh, and I hate to admit it, I'll have to agree with Grant on this one. I know I feel kind of sick. It's- Dirty, isn't right. it? <laughs> well, you I call them I, flight I say, suits. I call them onesies. Yeah, I'd, I'd call it a flight suit rather than a onesie, but yeah. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> no. oh, well, after that invigorating discussion, <laughs> I think it's only fair to give a shout out to other people who have suffered and suggested all these wonderful phrases. During tonight, um, the first thing I'd like to do, though, is I'd like to give a bit of a shout out to the Pixel Bandits. Um, now, the Pixel Bandits are people who run CQC matches on the Xbox on a Tuesday. So, if you're listening to this live, you ain't going to be listening to uh, <laughs> you. You ain't, you've, you've missed it. Um, but the arranged match is times are at eight, nine, and at midnight Galactic Standard Time on a Tuesday. Uh, so if you have uh, a loose end and you want to catch up with our podcast at a later point, feel free, give them a, a, a link. We've included their uh, website address in the show notes. Uh, Grant, what's this about Starman? Oh, about Starman? Did I put that in the notes? Yes, I think you did. No, you didn't. It was me. No. Oh, All right okay. then. Yes. No, it was just a message in over Discord. Uh, we had an, we've had actually had a, a couple of similar messages as well from people, which is always nice to get warm and fuzzies. Um, and basically, well, Starman um, seventeen is saying is that he's played Elite Dangerous for a year, listened to the podcast for about nine months, and although they're always at school when the podcast goes live, so they rarely rarely catch it live, but they love what we do, uh, keeping the community up to date and sharing stories. Maybe after tonight, that might opinion might have changed. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for introducing them to the Elite community. I know there's been quite a few people people that can you know confess that they've not even played Elite because they haven't got a PC that does it, but they love listening to the podcasts that are around in the community things that are going on because it allows them to feel involved and you know what that's brilliant that's what we should to you know that's what we we aim for is to include people uh, in that kind of way uh, I was thinking you know you know this sort of maybe a death scene in the game would be good so for all those a death scene yeah you know for the salty you know salty tears and stuff elite greets <sighs> right okay I'm calling it can we kick him <laughs> off the show <laughs> No, he can't. Shit, he's hosting the call. <laughs> yeah. So, right, I am. Um, I'm going to quickly uh, call out the people who have been inflicting this kind of elite pain on us so, in the chat room, and then Ben, you do the same at uh, on Twitch. So we've got uh, Penguin, Commander Bapster, Commander One Ripped, Commander Starion, Commander Tia Time, Commander Ventura, Hogworm, Jolko. Cletus, Mark Dis, Nopal, and then there's us two. So what about, oh, come on, Elite Cheats? No, that doesn't work. Go on. Ben, what have we got on Twitch? Oh, I'm going to first of all go for the guys who have been absolutely top in game 
which would be Cold Czar, M Striker, and Commander Morval, who have been flying underneath my Anaconda's uh, spoiler, because obviously a spoiler in space makes so much sense. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, d- anyone- I didn't. I didn't appreciate Commander Coldzar going straight up to you and then getting his big multi cannon out in front of your face. Oh, that, he that does seemed like... a little bit forward. Oh, he just likes getting out there. I think uh, that's fair enough. Exhibitionist, that's what I call him. Yeah, at least he, at least he wasn't chaffing all over me this time. Moving on, you were saying. <laughs> so in Twitch, we've got. <laughs> Commander, <laughs> sorry, that sounded exactly like Bullseye. In one, <laughs> we've got commanders, twoplex, four, G, G four, however pronounce it. <laughs> Adamantium thirteen, A- um, Azrion, e- Eyes, uh, Easy Man, I think. Coldzar again, Deadmeat GF, GG, DG, one twenty eight K. Icefire122, JJ Smashing Pumpkins, Johnny VE, uh, Calten, Mech Shadow Beast, Snozwells here. Hi, Snoz! Alvin! Hi, Alvin! Alvin! Come here, Alvin! Alvin! Ruff. I can't whistle just now. Damn. Ruff! Yes. Um, Midfit. Uh, Mitness. Um, Orange, Orange Avenger. Uh, Peter, Peter K1973. Pyspex. Pilot, Scrap, Scrap Santa, <laughs> Sienna Scold, maybe, Sharats, Space Lenin, Starfleet Comms. Oh, hi. How's it going? Uh, Stephen Usher again. Uh, uh, Stoops X, the guy in the corner. <laughs> Tizzo, 5T3, whoever mm-hmm. 11. Ranom, and last but not least... Commander Zargol. Zargol. Ben has like. now completed the elite <laughs> greets. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, Paulus has, has said that the Twitter account should be renamed Elite Tweet. Yeah. So there we have the final one of the elite puns for this evening. <laughs> <laughs> so... While I'm in pain, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook slash Lave Radio, or at Lave Radio or on Twitter. You can join the Discord channel by going to http tinyurl.com Lave Radio, or you can join our TeamSpeak server where the commanders come to hang out to chat. TeamSpeakLaveRadio.com Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight, well we try for half past eight, and then is streamed out at uh, LaveRadio.com slash live Thanks to Alan who had to leave us, Uh, thanks to Grant, and thanks to Ben and thanks to those commanders who have joined us outside Lave Station and suggested such wonderful comments, but until next time, fly safe And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
Galnet News Digest, 24th of January, 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news. Arissa meets Zachary behind the college bike shed. Commanders make light work of Sirius and Ramtar. Formidine Rift. More discoveries, but still no breakthrough. Unexpected demand for ten-sided dice leaves Galaxy baffled. Arissa meets Zachary behind the college bike shed. A series of strange clandestine meetings have been taking place in an ancient Earth city, according to leaked sources. The meetings allegedly took place in Cambridge, the largest seaport on the east coast of England, not far from the famous undersea city of Norwich. Cambridge is widely believed to have been the place where King Arthur burned the cakes while baking at his round table. It's also the site of the galaxy's very first guided hoverbuses. It's believed, but not confirmed, that the meetings brought together diplomatic teams from the very highest echelons of both Empire and Federation. Imperial cutters have been observed landing at Cambridge International Spaceport on a number of occasions over the past weeks, which lends some credence to this theory. What's been discussed can only be conjectured. Perhaps there's some hope of avoiding the war that seemed inevitable. Perhaps the powers have realised that they need to take a united front in the face of a possible alien invasion. Or perhaps the Empire's expert spy team has been showing President Hudson the pictures they took of him in that hotel bedroom in Achenar. Commanders make light work of Sirius and Rantar. Independent pilots have exceeded expectations twice in one week. Having completed the Sirius Corporation's two-week appeal in little more than two hours, they moved on to complete a new appeal by Ramtar in a bit more than two days. Following completion of the goals, Ramtar has already unlocked the transport layer of the Guardian's Obelisk communication network, revealing the names of four more systems that must contain abandoned cities. Sirius Corporation, on the other hand, has not yet released any information on when we'll see the first UA-resistant stations. 
Formidine Rift. More discoveries, but still no breakthrough. Seven sites belonging to the apparently ill-fated dynasty project have now been found, but there's still no clear information on the secret of the Formidine Rift. What we know so far is that a fleet of unmarked anacondas were sent out in three directions in the year 3270 to place deep space probes, or satellites, in locations several thousand light-years from inhabited space. The nature of the satellites was not revealed to the crew, and it seems that some or all of the expeditions failed to return home, after a number of mishaps including what sounds like alien hyperdiction. The mystery continues. Unexpected demand for ten-sided dice leaves Galaxy baffled. Another mystery has struck the Galaxy this week with an unexpected run on pentagonal trapezohedrons. Many puzzled suppliers have been left with no stock of the small geometrical objects. Galactic Trading Standards officers have had to step in after some unscrupulous vendors started selling pentagonal bipyramids. They're just not the same explained Ed Foster, a detective in the Acellus Prime Police Department. You may think it's all the same, but you just can't complete a tricky task using these things, even with a decent skill bonus. Stocks of ten-sided dice are expected to become widely available again in December this year. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news, so you don't have to. <laughs>